Hi friends, my name is Ashley and welcome to the Awake in Wellness podcast, a place where I share wellness practices and discussions to awaken within, especially from the lens of an Asian American. And today our topic will be more around the Asian American theme. Um, I have my good friend Amy Wang here with me and we both have a lot of shared experiences but also very differing ones um, with our experience in terms of talking about the inner conflict that we feel when it comes to working really hard and being a high achieving Asian American. I feel like there's definitely lots of stigmas around being a high achieving Asian American, but taking it back to a more personal and self-discovery level, learning how to undo a lot of these learnings and habits and mindsets that we had grown up with in order to be happy with what we're achieving with and what we're meant to do in this world. So Amy, do you want to intro yourself a little bit? Sure thing. Hi, everybody. Um, thank you so much for having me on this podcast, Ashley. Uh, my name is Amy. Um, in my day job, I work in venture capital here in New York City, but I guess my uh, I also moonlight as an Asian American community builder in a number of different organizations and have a great time talking to a lot of other Asian Americans about our career and kind of how we think about life. Yeah, so Amy and I both uh, met in college. We both went to pretty good schools, and I feel like we both grew up in a very similar area, um, a part of Virginia that is pretty competitive when it comes to education um, and high achieving. So we're going to sort of walk you through our journey of childhood, the upbringing that we had, and the mentalities that were brought to the forefront as we navigated through you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, and how a lot of those... Uh, learnings impacted the way we went through college and eventually our early career and kind of at the point we're at now in our like mid to late 20s learning a lot about how the way we were operating wasn't super sustainable and how to sort of if you're in the similar mindset of feeling like you need to put in the extra effort overcompensate maybe in different areas of your life just to feel like you are worthy in a certain part of the world um, learning to how to undo those uh, negative motivational tendencies that we had to kind of push ourselves to be high achieving and just learning to be more happy with where exactly where we're at. So that's sort of the gist of what we want to try to share today and hopefully some of it will resonate with you and hopefully you get some really good learnings and takeaways on how to maybe make some small adjustments in your mindset and in your daily life to begin to honor who you are while not burning yourself out and still feeling like you are just as worthy to show up in this world as anyone else, especially as Asian American women. So Amy, do you kind of want to start with your childhood experience and I guess what you were taught growing up? Yeah, yeah. Um, so for a little bit of context, I identify as a Chinese American woman. Um, I was born here in the United States of America. I was born in Virginia, but the rest of my family were all born in China. And so I think uh, there's a lot of conversations always around being kind of a first gen Asian American and kind of how there's also like a cultural and generational gap between the people who do raise you and how society raises you. And so um, born in Virginia to two Chinese parents who had immigrated here in like the late 1980s early 1990s um, to parents who very much valued the idea of their children being well integrated into America, being very successful in America, 
but not in like very concrete ways in terms of just thinking about wanting to make sure that their kids are successful and thrive and survive in a place that they personally didn't grow up yeah they thank you for the context because i feel like the timing and the way our parents sort of assimilated to american culture has such an impact on the way they raised us so for me my parents both immigrated to america around also like the 80s mm-hmm. probably mid 80s and they were in their teenage years like um 15 to 17 so pretty young they were still figuring their own life out and i think what they were just told is you know work hard my mom and dad both had like service jobs while in school doing homework and still high achieving and doing it all basically like hustle 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 and i think it's sort of a hard thing to grapple around because while i do feel guilty that they went through all of that Mm. i feel like a lot of that guilt went on to me when i wasn't hustling as hard as them in like high school and middle school having to work a job and do homework and do all these extracurriculars like i feel like that was such a privilege to be able to not have to work a job full basically full time to just provide you know and i think in terms of going back to earlier childhood a lot of the acceptance and uh, measure of success that i had on a child like from an early age probably around like kindergarten like first grade was like how good are your grades you know i feel like this is super common where like your love is somewhat from your parents can be somewhat conditional if you get a good grade then they will get you like i don't know this new toy or will give you a little bit more positive attention you know pushing to high to high achieve at a very young age you know basically like be the top in the class even at a young age to get all the good grades do all these things and i feel like it definitely percolates at that young of an age to just like wire me into this um oh you have to work hard to just like feel that glimpse of happiness in america i feel like the other part that forced me to want to try even harder was to even like be equal to my peers like my white american peers and i don't know if you felt that way growing up <laughs> yeah definitely i think a lot of that super resonates with me to to roll it back a little bit here i think the concept of like survivalship in america is definitely a very strong piece of it that like you know my parents had never lived somewhere where the majority of people around them were not Asian, right? And, like, the idea that assimilation was their number one priority for me and my older sister growing up, the idea that they don't want us to feel outside of the society which they had very consciously brought us to. And so I think there was almost, like, a kind of, as you mentioned, not necessarily always conditional, but there's a sense of very much trying to right the ship as soon as possible kind of thing, where it's, like, like you mentioned, even at, like, a very young age, I think grades were very heavily emphasized, or even just, like, the concept of excellence in whatever shape of form that looked like as a young child was like always very much at the forefront of how they wanted me to value my life right and so I think a lot about growing up as a kid like I think you know I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know how to parent I'm not a parent myself I know it is extremely difficult but I think growing up growing up like as an Asian American like the values of number one like the idea of like being the best or doing Mm -hmm. the best or working extremely hard to be the best is so ingrained in you early on right like the indoctrination starts really early Mm -hmm. like even as a kid it's like oh like how fast are you learning your abcs or i know my parents had to teach me my multiplication tables like years before like our public education (laughs) school system like had it in the curriculum right like the idea that like there is no place in which i could not 
be better right like Mm. I have to be like on top of it like there is no place to slack essentially and to your point right it's like the reason why they want to push all of this on you is because they want you to be the best possible that you can possibly be which is obviously in it's like in like in itself is not bad but when it gets pushed that far because they don't know what it looks like otherwise they just kind of aim as high as you can and it, it's exhausting, you know? Like, yeah. you truly think about, like, how much time I spent as a kid to, like, be smarter than all the rest of kids in my grade rather than, like, running around outside yeah. and playing and stuff. I know. Like, it's so yeah. different, you know? Yeah, I, uh, a part that I really picked up on that I'm remembering now is just the freedom to discover who you are as a kid. Mm-hmm. I feel like in growing up in these uh, circumstances where you're pushed to be the best, you, you're only focus in a way is being number one versus like oh who actually am I or who do I want to be I remember very early on I was like shoved to be a doctor like probably by like eight years old Mm -hmm. they were like be a doctor be a doctor be a doctor and then that sort of really formulated my interest and like pushed me subconsciously towards different interests in school towards the more sciencey stuff even though like I'm honestly not that great at the science classes and had much more interest in other things but I just didn't have the capacity to explore them and truly like listen to my own authentic um, voice and I think Mm. a lot of the voices of your parents tend to dominate in these situations where you're told who to be like what what job to have because it'll make you a lot of money and like money 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 is like the number one priority at least in my household and it really I think stifled my own creativity which I'm learning now even to recover and like tap back into and just like allowing me to feel into what I want to do for the pure fun of it or because I like to not because there's any underlying motive behind being number one being successful I think a lot of that is so rooted in the um, projection of success that they wanted for themselves onto the child yeah yeah for sure I think the like the main thing that we're talking about here is balance right and I think as I think about how like I want to parent my own children in the future and that kind of thing something that I feel like I have learned kind of reflecting on my own childhood is I think the balance is that like there's a difference between being the best and like achieving what you want to achieve Mm -hmm. right like the concept of best doesn't actually exist like I think because we're always kind of striving for the idea of survivorship in America like a lot of times it becomes well if you're number one you're definitely going to survive right (laughs) like like you're definitely not going to do bad if you're top of your (laughs) class you're definitely not going to do bad if you're captain of the team but that's not balanced like you can survive fine at the middle or even at the quote-unquote bottom none of which are defined anyways right but it's understandable because they like I think the other thing that, like, maybe to, like, wrap up kind of how I think about my childhood is that I was always, like, taught that I should be very grateful to be in America, that I am an Asian American that was born in America. Do you know how bad it was, like, back at home on the mm-hmm. motherland? Like, you are so, you should be so grateful to live in a country that is relatively safe, that's relatively wealthy, like, for lack of a better term, like, don't waste your shot. Yeah. Right? Like, you only, oh like, 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 the YOLO concept before Drake made it, po- like, yeah. made it common, yeah. right, is the idea that you're only going to be this age at one point and every step of your life should be setting up for some indeterminate amount of future success. Mm-hmm. And because of that, like, because there is no option to fail because you are an immigrant who don't have resources like other people do that this is your one shot and you absolutely cannot waste a single ounce of it 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so moving more into middle school, high school, I feel like that is when it becomes more real as like SATs loom, college looms, like building a high school resume becomes so much more intense than I thought high school would be based on like the stuff I saw in shows. Like I thought it would be more fun. And like you said, I think a lot of that pressure becomes so much more harsh in high school for me at least when it's like if you don't basically it got to the point where like my parents would very over dramatize some very small things like if you don't get 100 on this test you're gonna be homeless Mm. and like very harsh language like that like if you don't get into this college or if you don't get a 100 on this test in this science class you won't get into this college and therefore you won't be a doctor therefore you're gonna be homeless and live in a box like literally it got that intense with that chain of thinking so it turned into me like wanting to do well in school like on small exams and homeworks and like projects and stuff like that into almost a survival ship mode that they had to deal with because I think it for them it was a part of survival but the lack of balance in that one-way track of thinking was what led to that imbalance of me associating my success with like how hard I worked because I think if I if I put in the extra time if I put in the extra effort then those rewards will get reaped it was like if you put in more hours or if you like check every single detail then you can succeed and then you won't have to end up in a box and stuff like that yeah like the concept of like how hard like our parents try to set guardrails on like not deviating from a certain path again like understandable because they don't really know how to otherwise but they were really rough like I feel very similarly I think a lot about like everything from like my teenage years and even younger than that my entire first 18 years of my life was the whole purpose was to get into Harvard person, Yale, Stanford, MIT, right? Like, oh, and wow. I say that like as one word for a reason, right? <laughs> like growing up, that was the only determinant for my success turning 18 was getting into a top school. And those were the only ones kind of thing. And it was made very abundantly clear earlier to me that not getting into one of these schools would be considered failure. Obviously not much of a balance. Like I think success now as an adult, like clearly we understand that, you know, that's not a reason why you should run your life per se, but kind of what you're talking about before about like, oh, like your parents really wanted to be a doctor. Like what, like a classic Asian American experience, right? And so I think by the time I had gotten into middle school, high school, I was so self-governing at that point that I knew that like, getting into I think at that point like the school that I wanted to go to was Princeton like I either wanted to go to Princeton or Yale really badly like that was all I cared about like obviously there were other tangential things like I did have hobbies like I did have other things I was interested in but like 99% of my brain power was being put towards doing this like vague internal calculus of how do I get into Princeton or Yale or Stanford right or Harvard or whatever right like it's just like so you're like that's all you're thinking about and like all my extracurriculars like I made so many choices that were not bad choices but were ultimately just for the sake of getting into a school and reaching this like very like resume label version of accomplishment yeah right that like a societal expectation that's like a name tag that like is like that I've made it right um yes I feel that so much too because I felt like I was kind of a fake version of myself throughout high school like all the mm -hmm. choices I made towards different extracurriculars had that underlying 
motivator to have it go on your my resume so that it could look good for college applications. I feel like that pressure of, you know, I have to do, I have to be president of this honor society. I have to be president of this. It's not like I truly believe I could be a good leader for it. I mean, you're in high school, you know, like, what do you know better, <laughs> like, to lead the Spanish honor society? And, like, I feel like a lot of that was because I wanted it to look good on my resume, doing Model UN, doing a few sports. I feel like sometimes the, sometimes I wonder, I feel like the people I had made friends with through those groups, they could tell that I wasn't there for the right reasons mm -hmm. because I feel like I'd always felt like that little bit of distance between them that like they're all in it because they're passionate about it and like truly passionate. I'm like, what a luxury it is to let yourself feel passionate about something. You know, at that age, like I feel like everything I had to do was for the sake of a resume. And I, and I think that percolates into like this own self-discovery journey I'm going on now where I'm allowing myself to be interested and pursue a bunch of different things that aren't necessarily gonna prop me up to be the number one in society or like the best in society. I find that there's not as many Asian Americans in the creative space. And I know, I love that there's so much more of, um, uh, advancement of it now because I think there's just been like that historical trend in whatever part of the U.S. that you live in of this very harsh like go into the corporate world be a good little yuppie <laughs> and like fit in with like corporate America capitalistic America you know and that's like success for you and you know there's a certain point that hits you and you're like who am I even like mm. who am I outside of my job who am I outside of all these things because in high school I used to be that person that was just like I do these things for these resume building reasons and I feel like a lot of that pattern continues in college too yeah yeah I'll say though like obviously like in terms of thinking about balance and how I reflect back on that time of my life that was a very uh, transformative period of my life the two good things I think I took out of my high school experience going to college, though, is that I did feel a sense of, like, accomplishment to some degree, albeit, as you mentioned, a lot of it is kind of superficial that, like, you know, I don't know how your Spanish is now, but, like, I also was very involved in Spanish and I have <laughs> none of it to show anymore. But, like, number one, I think going through a lot of that and really pushing myself really hard, it did give me a sense of confidence, I think, very early on as a child, not that it has necessarily sustained itself consistently throughout yeah. the years, but at least has showed me like what the upper boundary of my hard work could theoretically do. Now, I guess we'll go into it later as to whether or not yeah. that actually is true or not, but yeah. I think it's a reminder that like as an individual like I am capable of a lot but the difference is what do I do with that capability right like yeah. do I want to flex it to the 110th like degree like percent yeah. or do I want to like find some way where there are sometimes I'm at 100 and there's sometimes that I'm at 10 or sometimes I'm at 50 or whatever it is yes. like it, it I know what my upper boundary looks like now and unfortunately it manifested in the ways it did but at least like I know what it looks like at the extreme to balance back I love that you mentioned the fact about an upper boundary because like you said, I think it does show what you're capable of. And I think sometimes when you're that young, you put a lot of your own like personal well-being and health to the side. Sometimes the pressure that I felt to achieve really neglected my own well-being. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a balance part. Like it's great that I was able to externally show all of the things that I could do and achieve and like the way I could be a leader in so many different ways, given that like, you know, we're known for being, you know, I think there's like that stereotype of like the meek Asian girl, you mm -hmm. know, and I love fighting that stereotype of like 
taking in leadership roles, speaking up, having an organized plan and like learning all of those skills, I think are super important, but also like the inter the, it left a lot of lack for introspection during that period from what I remember. And I think it was just a lot of like constantly on autopilot, like doing all these things, looking at my calendar, looking at my to-do list, looking at my agenda, what do mm-hmm. I have going on? And it was like, just like push, push, push and crank, crank, crank. And I feel like that's when I kind of like rebelled against this when I got like to college and yeah. sort of <laughs> kind of got burned out from it and was like, I'm just gonna like chill. <laughs> a little bit more. Not too much chill, but like a little bit more chill. Yeah, or like let loose a little. Yeah. So um, I will say, I think I spent a lot of time, I did reflect a lot in high school, but like I was young. I didn't know what I was thinking. But I will say there's one profound thing that I thought about a lot in high school that I thought made a lot of sense and kind of still do to this time. I really thought about my high school years as being like I was a spring that was still coiled, right? Mm-hmm. And like I was just like waiting for the release mm-hmm. that like I would like then like bounce, right? Or oh, that I would like yeah. fly or whatever, yeah. right? Like, it really felt like I was just physically under so much pressure just being, like, pressed and pressed and pressed, like, until I had finally reached a point in which I could finally, like, let go. And at first I thought that was going to be college. Like, I thought it was, like, I was going to spend 18 years of my life. Like, I was going to Stanford, you know, like, whatever. And clearly that didn't work out, right? Like, you can't just, like, will yourself or, unfortunately, just, like, how competitive schools are. Not that I ended up going anywhere too bad or anything, but I think it was, like, okay, like, I, I didn't exactly reach precisely where I wanted to go when college decisions came around but that was okay and so I got to college and I was like you know what I have all this confidence I was like top of my class in high school like doing great feeling good thinking that I really knew myself but I thought I knew myself because I had always considered myself like the smart headstrong girl like I think Mm -hmm. my identity growing up was always like oh that's Amy like she's really smart and she's really confident and she's always like willing to speak her mind right Mm -hmm. and in my opinion as like a young girl I was like and I'm always right you know like I like I have accomplished so much clearly I know what I'm doing and it's like Mm -hmm. a self like a sense of self-righteousness that was very undeserved at the time (laughs) and I think that made college really hard then and I hear this a lot also with a lot of like high achieving Asian Americans is you know you go from big fish and small pond to small fish and big pond yeah. right and I think it was really hard getting to uh like a university space where everybody made it there because they're also freaking smart you know or people who are also super accomplished and then to realize that you're surrounded by other people who if anything are smarter than you which was really hard to swallow I think once yeah. I had gotten there that it was like I'm suddenly not getting really good grades like I'm suddenly not like teacher's pet like I make a lot more mistakes and like classes are curved you know and there's no extra credit and I think like it was such a cultural adjustment my first year and I really did not enjoy college as much as I think I could have Mm -hmm. had I not had that extreme aggressiveness towards success Mm -hmm. both academically as well as like like community involvement in school like I feel like especially since like I studied liberal arts right like Mm -hmm. I studied politics and law like which is a very which is a field that's very like dependent on uh reputation and so we used to joke that there were always people like in my classes who were planning for their 2040 presidential run right (laughs) like there were people who were like scouting out like who they wanted in their future cabinet like who was gonna be their future campaign manager like people who like claimed to be like foreign policy experts at 20 Mm -hmm. right and like these are brilliant people but man 
like the comparison between very high achieving other peers was really rough and on top of that it was like a lot of high achieving peers who didn't always have the same background as me like Mm. not to say that like I came from like the most disadvantaged background like I am very grateful to have grown up in the space that I did in a community that was like you know relatively well off and like very like upper middle class experience kind of thing but it was crazy then to be in a space of people who had accomplished so much also because they had so much behind them that they were Mm. either like generally more socially competent maybe their family you know was from america or they were from like a wealthier group or maybe like as a result of going to like a private school for example maybe it access different resources than i did coming from a public school and it was just like realizing that there are more obstacles in this world that i would have to overcome and not to mm. say that i couldn't but just that like they existed you know and like just becoming more aware of like how different people can be despite being the same on paper and then realizing that to become the quote-unquote best there's so much more i have to do right there's like i had to study twice as hard as like the kid next to me who like what i I don't know like whose family comes from a wealthier background or that i would work i'd have to interview as twice the number of places in order to get the same internship as somebody else this summer or that like i have to like double down on studying because like i did not like i don't get to travel to the places that like we're studying in foreign policy or something like that and like that overcome compensation aspect of like well at least i'll just work twice as hard right Mm -hmm. which is like not great either coming from somebody who's already putting in 100 percent under in in high school and so i think like the mentality shift getting into college and like figuring out like how do i continue to be quote-unquote the best when there was it's, nothing to be the yeah. best in, but like, I don't know, it, like, it that becomes doubling an down. unattainable goal. A hundred percent. That is exactly right. Like I was doubling down on an impossible like outcome. Yeah. Right. Just because you saw from your peers and others, like what they had and based on their connections. And I feel like in the politics space, it is such a network, like who, you know, it determines your success. Mm-hmm. I think like college was very stressful because there are so many people who were doing such great things. And like, I'm like, uh, you know, in awe of many of my peers. But I think the nice thing about college, though, was that I did get a lot closer to my Asian American identity because I had really fallen into a group of individuals who either were Asian American or like mm. all my friends from like college all went to public school and stuff like that. Mm. Like those are like the people who I ended yeah. up kind of um, connecting with most. And so it's at least like of the things that I learned from college is trying to figure out like like what my new upper boundary may look like in terms of that effort but then also seeing other people who like the ones who did have a similar background to me did stand out and those happen to be asian americans for the most part so i feel that in college that was more of the wake-up call for me as well but more so like in terms of the demographic like i think luckily where i grew up in like call it or in high school middle school it was pretty diverse and then when i came to like my college it was i was way felt way more than minority than i had ever felt in my life Mm. usually and i i had almost gone into the trap of like comparison of like oh they're already gonna automatically be more successful than me because of these connections because their parents knew what they were doing when they like you know when they were their age and even reflecting on this now like we're navigating a u.s college experience sort of on our own like purely from from an immigrant's like child you know and i think like 
for me, that's when I kind of stopped trying a bit. When I like got my first few like chemistry grades back and I'm like, okay, this is a 40%. This is going to be impossible. Like it, it really just kind of battered me down. And that's when I sort of started to dissociate a bit more from like my grades and my academics. I kind of did the opposite of you where I sort of definitely put the lax on it. I was like, I think for me getting into this school was like enough of an accomplishment for me. So now I'm gonna like breathe a little bit. And I did like try, but it was just like, there was 400 people in a lecture. There's everyone's getting this certain grade. And obviously I'm below the average or maybe at the average, but I'm like, I kind of just thought to myself, like what's the point if they're setting us up to fail? You know, if the average is a 50%, then what's the point? I'm not gonna let the grades have such an emotional impact on me as it did in high school. Mm -hmm. It had way more of an emotional impact on me in high school and like almost was like, oh, I got an 89 or like that sucks. But then if I got an 89 in college, that would be like, I'm like having a good day, you know? <laughs> and I feel like college is such a time to like explore different like ways of thinking, different friend groups. Mm -hmm. And I think like I let myself be able to make friends in such different circles than me. Yeah. And I think that was like the more important part to me was like the friendship aspect and like making, I guess like, I guess making more of a meaningful friendship than I had in high school that felt very like, like more resume based, you know? But obviously of course, like you have to figure out like what you're gonna do with your degree, actually like switch from bio to computer science. And I feel like that switch going from, I guess like, from that like from to a more engineering like tech based was bringing out a lot more of like now I have to try extra hard because there's like this is like a feasible thing to do you know like it's not like I need to make excuses about the level of connection or like the level of research but I think it's still like a over studying to the point where I'm like I like it's not trusting my own intelligence in a way mm. like I feel like a lot of that in college was like brute force way of intelligence rather than a true like natural intelligence that's when like also like obviously in computer science as we all know it's not very like female dominated <laughs> lots of males in the class lots mm -hmm. of like group projects that were majority male and then so navigating that made me feel like i had to work harder just to be equal to the intelligence of my yeah. male peers but also i've i feel like i should have also trusted in my own intelligence all this to say, I feel like my college experience was definitely like a little bit more roller coastery when it came to, you know, navigating. I was like doing EMT stuff to like overcompensate in the way for the pre-med stuff and the like skills that I thought I had lacked. And then all of that just to quit and be like, okay, now I'm pivoting completely. And I feel like because of that pivot, that's what kind of made me feel like I needed to catch up to the people who came in knowing that they wanted to do computer science and feeling like now, okay, I have to undo all this biology like work that I've done and now like kind of figure it out. Yeah, I think if anything, so like I had a very similar career pivot to you, but like a little bit later in life, but at least in terms of like the spaces that I inhabited, I think in terms of my studies in undergrad, instead of being like the only woman in the room, I was often, I feel like the one of the very few Asian Americans in the room, which maybe is part of the reason why I feel like I really connect with my Asian American identity, or at least I felt the need to, because like politics is not a very diverse space. I think we're all very mm. aware of it. And like being like the concept of being a leader, I think also has a lot of connotations about what that person kind of looks like or what their background kind of is. And I think I felt a lot of pressure that like, this was something I felt very passionate about, like making a difference for a lot of other people. And then it almost felt like I had like the weight of like Asian America on my shoulders to some degree, yeah. which was extremely unfavorable for me to put on myself. But like it manifested in so many different ways. Like even if it was like, 
I'd be in a class of like 50 people, right? And like a lot of these classes are like open conversation, right? It's all like trying to be the smartest person in the room, right? And so I felt an immense amount of pressure to always raise my hand every class or to like argue with like somebody who like has the exact opposite opinion of me just because it's like, if I don't like nobody else will, right? And so I think it's like another layer of how strongly I felt about being Asian American because there weren't as many in my field of study, but it made me even more grateful for the community communities that I was in where there were Asian Americans, right? Like to have that stark difference. And I think having the Asian American communities that I did and the friends that I had and professors that I, the very few that there were on campus, like made such a difference. And if anything, like the scarcity of them made their impact all the more important, Mm -hmm. right? That has continued to propel me, I think, in terms of wanting to continue to build these community spaces because I am Mm -hmm. lucky to have found them relatively early on in my life. Like I think there are a lot of people our age and older who don't get that kind of support um Mm. and like really have to go through like the identity journey like much later in life whereas I got it while I was planning my professional life and like being Mm. able to be conscious of these things and like find ways that I can give back to the community earlier on that is like very important Mm -hmm. to me as I'm continuing to navigate spaces that are extremely white or like like that necessarily have a lot of Asian Americans or don't have a lot of women or don't have a lot of binary non-binary folks you know and so I think college what I'm grateful for is it really opened my eyes to a lot of different things for better or for worse and it was I think I agree like a very roller coaster time of like a lot of self-discovery but also just like a very dense amount of learning how the world worked very fast right and I think like there's no other moment that I can think of um in terms of like realizing how college is just preparing me for the real world that like I had some friends who were older than me by a year or two like very good friends I remember one time we were studying in the library together and I was a junior and my friend was a senior and she's in tech and I was there when I opened her Microsoft offer and I saw the number on screen like I I, she didn't mean to but like it was on the offer letter right and that was like pre-negotiations like no signing bonus that was just pure annual salary and at that moment like it clicked it was like this is why like I really have to fight because like if you succeed like you could make that much money like such Mm. an elusive concept you were talking about like growing up where like money was like so scarce or like they'd grown up from like a poorer country you know it's like it all suddenly like like the pressure makes sense right like like if I do everything correctly, like I can also make that much money kind of thing or that I can also have as prestigious as a title as she was getting kind of thing. And I think like that's how like the pressure had evolved going into my early adult Mm. life of like, instead of it being grades, now it's like salary. Yeah, Now it's job title. Now it's how much are you spending on your New York rent? Yeah. (laughs) That like these other markers of accomplishments continue to evolve. Yeah. And I, my perception was that society will continue to measure me on these measuring sticks, right? Of, Mm -hmm. like, beforehand it was what was your GPA, and now it's what's your salary. Like, beforehand it was, like, what presidents of clubs were you in, and now it's, like, what title are you on, on, like, your equivalent of, like, hierarchy chain in the big company. Or it's, like, before it was, like, oh, like, what, like, Greek life were you in, and now it's, like, who are you, like, spending time with, like, in your free time, the very precious little amount that we have, right? Um, And I had always assumed that my life will always be measured in society based off the relativity of others right like Mm -hmm. am I making 
at least as much as my peers from my university, mm-hmm. if not more. Like, am I on a similar track towards achievements, like, in my own career, despite it being very different and, like, not necessarily parallel? But it manifested so early, like, in undergrad yeah. especially, because it's, like, they were trying to set you up for, like, an extremely high amount of professional success that success I guess they kind of did you know and so I think like it's crazy to think about that like in undergrad I feel like I was really placed in an amount of different types of pressure but at least one that did kind of prepare me for the future albeit not in a balanced way (laughs) yeah and I think that all comes back to the external measurement of yes. others. Yeah. And that's how a lot of, that's what's dictated a lot of our lives up until like early career as well, just like you said. And I think a lot of that, like on a superficial level, the easiest way to kind of judge and measure someone. But then for you, you're like, how much do you care about the judgments of others? You know, like how much does that matter to you? Yeah. And I and I totally understand that in certain people's college situa- situations, they do need to make that much to like pay back student loans or they have family stuff to care right. about. Like that's totally a valid reason. And I think money, like honestly, money was a huge driver for me too. Like I honestly didn't know like that computer science would be a like lucrative field. I kind of was just like, I like this more than uh, the other thing, and I kind of want an office job. So then yeah. I kind of just went for it. But then, well, good that you fell into it. That's I know. A, that's a pretty I know. good thing to fall into. It was a good thing to fall into. Yeah. Like, luckily, because I think the financial. Um, financial well-being does have such an impact on your mental health if you're moving to a new city on your own like Mm -hmm. starting off but like you said i think all of these external measurements just like evolved and you're like how can i ever keep up because then you know in a few years time for us it's going to be like are you married where'd you have your wedding how many kids do you have what how part much of is your house how much are you paying for your exactly mortgage? like how much are you how many how long how much like, are you traveling yeah, like it yeah. just constantly evolves so i think now is a great time for us to hit the pause button or like mm. to short sort of shut all of that out and being like I'm happy where I am, even if I'm 35 and just traveling to Bali, you know, I don't really care if I'm not following exactly like society's measurements of success. Mm -hmm. And I think at least going back to the early career part of it, your title and like all of that stuff and how you spend your time, like, and also like what city you move to post-grad. I feel like that's Mm. a huge marker of judgment and for me at least in terms of like title i had pushed myself to so hard for some like whatever reason i think it was my need to compensate for being a woman in tech and like just to prove my authority but like there was a point where i got a promotion every single year when i really didn't need to and i've the past two years i've been at the same title i'm at which i'm very happy with and like you know same salary i'm very happy with but i think i was like for my first job I literally came in sometimes at like 6 a.m. would like do a lot of extra notes and then you know be really prepared for all these meetings I was a consultant I had to meet with clients I did presentations and I also like did some code and had to explain everything to like other people internally on the team I remember just thinking about work all the time and then also leaving at like 8 p.m. and just being like okay now what do I do with my life I think I have to like I just need to relax you know there's no energy left for me to pursue something that I'm interested in like another hobby I think that's just like something that got so shut out my first like probably two years of working was just like 
dreaming like doing so much overworking especially during pandemic when you don't have like anything else to do really so all you're doing is working I feel like I really fell into that trap and that's sort of like that's sort of when I was just like okay I guess I have nothing else going on in my life I might as well get promoted you know like just mm. to reach that higher external title it was when I hit like my senior promotion that I was like I don't feel anything like I feel still kind of unhappy internally like I don't feel like this was what I wanted and that's sort of when I started on this like journey of self-discovery and like truly trying to understand who I am and what I meant to do in this world because I don't think I meant to like code the rest of my life obviously you Mm -hmm. know um, and well, some people's are. It's just not yours, I know. obviously. Exactly. Yeah. Some people are genius and are smart of it. And just because I put like four years of effort of this in undergrad doesn't mean I need to be like the top best coder. And I yeah, think that's exactly. like that going back to the need to be the best and the need to be the top. I think that's where that promotion, you know, I need to be a manager at this age or blah, blah, blah. I need to have this salary at this age. Just like the need to be the best. But taking a pause on that and just being like, okay, what actually makes me happy or what actually lights me up in this world? And like being more soul connected rather than like mentally connected Mm -hmm. and plugged into like the superficiality of the world, I think is something that I definitely learned my first few years of working. And it's like, I feel like, why can't we just measure our success internally of like, I feel like I'm successful at this very point in my life because, you know, I live by myself. That's a huge success to me. Or I'm able to make a big move on my own and that's a big success to me, you know? Like all these little Mm -hmm. things that we don't talk about of like what the decisions we decide to make for our lives, like those aren't celebrated enough in terms of like, wow, I'm proud that you took the step to make this decision for yourself. It's more so about the outcome rather than the impact it has on your life yeah and look i think there are some people and like maybe i am to some degree a little closer to them where like they like genuinely do like the work like they don't want to work a nine to five like they're down to hustle like they like want to make their job their lives and like no shame like honestly like good for them super support that and I think like to some degree I'm a little closer in that aspect where like I do really want to love my job and I am very grateful that I am in a job that I do really love and I don't mind putting the extra hours but as we talk about balance right it's number one making sure that like it really is intrinsically valuable yeah you you are intrinsically like deriving joy from it and secondly also that like it like it plays into the long term in terms of like the things that you want like for example for me so a little bit of like self-disclosure so I thought I was going to go to law school like I spent my entire life like much like your parents told you to go be a doctor I hate blood so my parents are like you should go be a lawyer because you run your mouth a lot and so I thought I was gonna be a lawyer like my entire life and so I thought I was gonna take a gap year or two after undergrad just to like reset it was very common in the market and so um and then I did two years of like what was that then my dream job and then I realized I didn't want to go to law school anymore and so Mm -hmm. I was like I think those couple of years were kind of like what you had in undergrad that were very much like I'm here to like vibe out like be myself like really just go off of a slightly more natural instinct of what feels good to me at this time Mm -hmm. because back then it was under the guise of like I'll figure it out later but realistically speaking like even if I thought I was gonna figure it out later like nothing that I could think of now was truly going to prepare me that much more for the future. And so uh, I have like 
like the happiest I've ever been honestly is like after college which I think mm-hmm. is very funny that a lot of people are like college are the best four years of your life like that was absolutely no. not true for me <laughs> like absolutely like post-grad has been so much more of a fulfilling part of my life this era of mine <laughs> um and I think it's partially because number one it's like you do have more flexibility to explore and like mm-hmm. I've been lucky to have like have a career that is able to pay for me to be able to do that and number mm-hmm. two to like be in a city that I feel very like grateful for that is a right fit for me personally yeah. and being able to explore these things happen to be something that I very much value like other interests or like finding other people who have shared yeah. interests or making spaces for people so that they can find their interests yeah. or people who are into that kind of thing and but then I think I still was stuck under the trap of the idea that, like, I still had to accomplish something, you know? Like, it's not like I was just, like, a nomad roaming around the universe, right? And that came to me because, I think, for my first couple of years, like, I I, had made some conscious career decisions to, like, go off, like, the beaten path or whatever, and I was very proud of them. But I had assumed that I could still achieve success using the same processes that I was using before. Very, like, I'm going to work 110%. I'm going to be the first person in the office and the last person out kind of mentality. And then what happened was that I had worked for two or three years. I had hit a spot in which I was very good at my job. Like, I will, I will claim it. Like, I was very, very good at my job. And I got promoted once or twice. And it was like, then I was like, going to hit another tier that I thought was fairly reasonable. Um, and then because of a series of events, by no means, like, was anybody's fault or anything like that. Between the pandemic and a couple other things. A couple people at the company that I was at who were very strong advocates for me had left. And so mm-hmm. then um, it became very clear to me that I wasn't getting promoted again. Yeah. And I was, I cannot explain to you how bad that was for my mental health. Mm-hmm. That like I was up for promotion and I just was not going to get it. I did everything that anybody could have said to like try to make the promotion happen. Mm-hmm. And by all means, like I'm gonna claim it, like I deserved it. Yeah. Um, And they were just like, no, like, sorry, like, Mm. because of X, Y, Z factors. And look, like, I'm I'm sure it's hard to be, like, a VP at a company that, like, was going through the pandemic and whatnot. But, like, I then slipped into, like, such an anxious part of my life where it was like, oh, my God, just because I'm smart, just because I'm working hard, and maybe it's, like, a self-righteousness aspect, but, like, that I necessarily deserve it, and I'm not getting it, it, like was so hard mentally to feel like I was slipping behind my peers that like I wasn't maximizing on my earning potential I had hit this ceiling that I did not anticipate that I had no power Mm. over but I could not relinquish the idea that I had no power over it and so I just kept hitting my head at it over and over again (laughs) thinking like if I hit harder if I tried harder if I found another perspective about it And it was so detrimental to my mental health, mm. like thinking that like I have to be this high achieving person. And also I was like the only Asian American on the team. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my God, like I'm letting all like, Asian Americans yeah. down that will the come after me, that. you know, yeah. like they like don't like me because like I'm the only like non-white person on this team, you know? Yeah. And it yeah. was just so much pressure that I had applied to myself. And like, 
it was so bad <laughs> you know you were like that coil was gonna yeah spring soon. and then i like recoiled again almost yeah. you know that i was like doing well a couple of years before and then to like hit that i think like the ways that i had been brought up were just so like it really just like led to my demise at that moment yeah. you know that like it culminated into this moment yeah you had no power no matter how right hard you worked exactly there's like nothing i can do and like I was just so unable to relinquish the idea that I was not in control. Like, Mm -hmm. I had internalized it so hard as I wasn't doing enough, that I wasn't smart enough, that they didn't Mm -hmm. like me enough, that there was something wrong with me. It's like about you. Yeah, Yeah. because growing up, it was always, you will succeed as long as you work hard enough, and people will like you if you're smart enough. And, like, it felt like I wasn't smart enough or I wasn't working hard enough, and I had really lost intrinsic value at that time. And it really took a lot to like really pull myself out of that you know of like I am not what my title is and that sounds so stupid like now but back then it was like I truly had a hard time defining myself by any other means you know yeah I resonate with that because that's when I got promoted to senior I had that sort of same epiphany moment that was like well one I wasn't happy with the salary and there's nothing I could do to change that and Mm. I was kind of like mad about that too but also it's like no matter how hard you work there's always going to be someone above you with more power over you until I guess you like become uni- raging universe of the world which like I don't know <laughs> yikes it's just like we have to be realistic about what we can do for ourselves and what's in your control versus what's out of your control mm-hmm. and I know you like made the choice to like pivot to yeah. somewhere that like felt much more aligned and yeah. it was going to be help you grow new skills and I think that's the best part about like knowing what you're in control of instead of sitting and wallowing in this like mm-hmm. fact that you didn't get in like kicking your legs and because some people would like still put up with the situation in the hopes that they could get it you know but I think I love that you knew your worth and you knew to take your worth elsewhere I will say that when it comes to realizing like the level of effort that you put in versus like how I guess like how high of a level that you actually are at it's way more disbalanced in your own head than it is externally so Mm -hmm. yeah so like when I started grad school for a little bit for a master's in like computer science I I thought I was like re-triggered and had to like you know do 100% in grad school be the leader of the group project like do all these things but then I realized when I like took a step back because I like physically had to I had a dog I had an apartment I had a job full-time job it was a part-time school thing like I'm not able to put 100% into this and it's so abnormal of me to feel like not putting 100% in this and just trusting in sort of whatever unfolds and in doing so I realized like okay I'm like not do I still got an A in the class even though I didn't feel like I tried as hard. That was like a good sign to me. And like, unfortunately, it came in the sign of a grade as you know, that's how I used to mark my self-worth that it was like, okay, I don't need to put 110% in order to gain success or reap the benefits. And I feel like when I started my like yoga career, I felt I had to do the same thing, like put 100% study up on my like sequences, like memorize everything, but realizing like, oh no, I can just like go with the flow and be natural with it. So like be kind of really going 100%, like the opposite direction. Now just letting things go and not having to be so anal and so detailed about every little thing. And just realizing that you're still good no matter where you show, when, where and when you show up as. Yeah. But just trusting in yourself, knowing 
that you have the answer within you. Yeah. You know, I think like that's what's built up a lot of our upbringing is a lack of trust in myself for in my personal experience. It was like, don't listen to your inner voice. Just do these outward things to ensure your success rather than these like trusting your inner voice or, you know, whatever intelligence that you have within you to sort of guide you on that path. Yeah. I think if anything, also my inner voice, like I not only didn't trust, but I also over relied on because my inner voice was so negative. So like Mm. kind of what we talked about like in your childhood, right? Like my motivations were truly out of fear, right? Like fear of not accomplishing everything that like I am supposed to quote unquote or my fear that like I am wasting all of the hard work that my parents put in and all the resources of people who have invested in me and all the money that was spent on my education or the money that was spent raising me or that like I like am not grateful enough and it was just like I really was like running under the assumption that like I don't know like the scarcity mentality of if I am not making the most of it I might as well be wasting it which is such a zero-sum mentality that is so negative right so like in my brain like I would literally tell myself things such as like you're not doing enough today like how dare you or like like rest yeah like rest is yeah or like oh like you should do this extra thing like duh or like oh like I wouldn't be doing something good enough but like there's no like real anchor for quote unquote good enough and so I think there's almost two pieces that I have learned since one of which was like a really good mentor of mine that like I still struggle with this piece of advice to this day and this is like much more tactical in terms of the workplace but he would turn to me he was my manager at the time he would turn to me and be like Amy like B plus effort is okay like You don't have to strive for an A plus and extra credit every single time. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you should be doing your best, but your best doesn't always mean that you have to do perfection or you don't have to be, like, like surprising people every single time by, like, how good you're producing or how good you're serving, right? Um, And back then I was like, what the heck? Like, who are you? Like, what in the world? Like, Like, it's such a taboo concept. Yeah, and it's funny that he phrased it in that way, like, speaking of grades. Grades, He, like, knew, he exactly knew, How to get to you. Yeah, like, how I was, like, like, fueling my trade, right? And I was like, what the heck? No way. And, like, now, like, now it's been almost, like, six years since he gave Uh that piece of advice. I'm like, that makes so much more sense. Like, B plus effort is fine. Yes. And, like, in the workplace, obviously. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, you're right. Like, at the end of the day, like, this is a job. And, like, people like me for who I am. And, like, it's okay if, like, I produce something and somebody's like, cool. And doesn't think about it twice. Likely that's happened anyways. So that's, like, number one, like, a piece of advice that I tell a lot of people who I feel like are going through similar, like, motions Mm -hmm. that I did in my early career that like I am so eager to please and so eager to overachieve and like receive that like conditional validation of like a job well done and not well done a job like well like beyond well done right that like that's something that I felt too strongly about that external validation but secondly also that like I I think like the way I would self-motivate was the fear of not doing that that I would be so hard on myself that it was toxic right and so now as I think about my career like I it's exhausting but like learning to self-parent myself to be like I didn't do well like that's okay you know where like oh like I'm learning something new and I'm not great at it like don't worry like 
you have time. Yeah. Or like, oh, like, I did mess up on something. And it's inevitable. Like, people mess up on stuff all the time. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Like, don't worry about it. Like, it'll be fine. And like, or like, I do accomplish something really great. It's like, awesome. But that doesn't mean like, I'm a great person. You know? (laughs) Just because like, I did something really great at work. Or I did something that like, lauded praise. Mm -hmm. That's not who I am, you know? Yeah. It's like finding that middle ground of like you're able to take external validation, sit with it, appreciate it, and then like let it go when you Let it to. go. Exactly. You know? like, it's not yeah. a the external validation isn't what internally validates you anymore. It's just a piece of, you know, it's a it's a piece of praise that you don't need to cling on to to define your self-worth. Yeah. And this is like much farther in terms of how I've been thinking about this and like there are boundaries of which you have to, you know, play with thought experiments, but sometimes I think about if I were like a woodland creature like living in like the forest like by myself you know like no other people like not in a society like I don't have a job like I don't have the pressures of like surviving in late stage capitalism like who would I be you know like like if I were just like living alone like self-sustaining on the universe like maybe as like mother nature originally intended Mm -hmm. right like like the things that I would define myself as even just like three to five years ago like none of those would would withstand that yeah. thought experiment right yeah. i think about that all the time yeah. like if i'm just a being on this earth like who am i outside of my accomplishments outside of my job outside of my like are you yeah you could be a like loving being yeah. expectations of you yes. you know and i think it just comes down to the like way you view yourself yeah and that's how you sort of build up your self-worth like know those things about yourself like that you're a loving person a caring person you're someone who definitely speaks up based on what you think you have your still values and morals direction motivated and i feel like those sort of nuanced things that don't have a tangible you know release in the cor- work, corporate workspace yeah but are essentially what makes us all human And I think, I mean, not to go super deep on this, but I think that's like the key part to reworking that inner voice to not be so negative and to just think back, like, if you were just a creature living in the woods, self-sustaining, like, who would you be? Or like the energetic part of what you offer to the world. I think that all of that is so core to who you are and that allows you to be able to undo those sort of like the motivation out of fear, but the motivation out of like, oh, this like feels good for me or this like serves my higher purpose i always like to ask myself those questions when i'm like do i need to be doing this right now do i need to go down this like rabbit hole of a bug and fix it for people who aren't even going to appreciate it no it's not necessary the thing's still working so it's just like a balance of that it all ties sort of back to like the asian part of Mm -hmm. work hard and the american part of like surviving this capitalistic society a hundred percent and what's the balance between that and like depending on what job you're in what stage of life that you're in what like financial situation you're in because i feel like that is a big driver for capitalism but also just like staying true to yourself too yeah and i think like the concept of self is like so subject to change over time that i'm if anything, trying to take a step further, that it's like any version of myself is valid. Like yeah. I am a worthy person just for existing. Yeah. Like even if yes. I didn't do any of the things that I did, like even if I didn't have the job that I did, or am a community builder like I am, yeah. or even if I was like an extremely unpleasant person who's like awful yeah. to be around, which hopefully I'm not. You know, yeah. tell me otherwise. But, but you're like, still worthy and valid. To yeah. Be exactly. That like I am still like a person who is like valuable that it, like deserves to be here. Kind of thing because 
everything I tell myself otherwise when it comes to negative motivation is the exact opposite of that and so I think like as I continue to grow like something that I'm working on is truly like and it's exhausting but like letting my negative self talk a little bit just so I can observe it Mm -hmm. and then have to like find the angel on my shoulder that then like re books that you know like it says like okay like it like says like okay I'm not worthy because of this and then like the kind of version myself says like that's not true like you are worthwhile like regardless or like you did your best and like that's worth it or like you know like I love myself regardless of whether or not like I do well or not today or whether or not something bad happened or something like that and like the the relearning of self-worth because of like this like hyperdrive of survivalship because like of the immigrant mentality that I have you know inherited from you know like generations of people like even people who have gone beyond my parents you know and like to nobody's fault right like it's just kind of at the end of the day and yeah. like that's kind of the way it is and like you just kind of have to deal with the cards that you're dealt and that's fine and I'm like very grateful for the cards that I have been dealt and I think I just like want to find a place of like true gratitude for both the good and the bad that I've been handed you know yes so. and that's why I think just gratitude is a great way to start on that practice of building your self-worth like I'm so grateful I have a bed to wake up in I'm so grateful I have food Mm -hmm. to eat and then all those little things like oh I'm so grateful that I am nice to myself or I'm so grateful that I allow myself to rest all those things start to build up into redefining your Mm self-talk and I think the like the thing I always like to tell myself is like sort of being like oh this is this makes sense why I would feel this way because my inner child or my Hmm. like childhood version of myself had to deal and process it this way so that's why it's sort of manifesting now and it's I shouldn't like beat myself up for feeling the way I'm feeling now or falling into these habits I'm feeling now it's totally okay you're valid you're gonna do great tomorrow it's just a bad day not a bad life yeah you know it's just like those the way you reframe talking to yourself and be like oh stupid stupid I like did this again or I messed up so bad everyone's gonna think I'm a terrible person the more you tell yourself that stuff the more it becomes true in your body and your mind Mm. so just be like okay I messed up I'm human no one's gonna think of it as bad as I do I'm my own worst critic and I know that and I'm just gonna let go of that thought and move on and try to do better tomorrow if I can. Um, Do you have any final thoughts (laughs) on this? I feel like we gave lots of really good takeaways on reworking that negative self-talk and I think that's what it all boils down to is that negative, that internal voice helps navigate the way you balance like these actions of why you may be overworking or why you strive to be an overachieving person Mm -hmm. yeah uh i have a lot of closing thoughts maybe i'll close on two the first one is that like i i am trying to figure out like the ways in which i can be a better person and beforehand i used to think that it was like always just like it's like an uphill climb right like every day i'm like like there's a quote that's like as long as you're like one percent better every single day like you'll be a hundred percent very soon but that's not how it works either right and so i think your whole where you're at now yeah and i think it's just like a reminder of like you do have to like sit and like observe and like really be willing to like experience the bad and like embrace it in order to like overcome it that you can't just be like i'm gonna be better i'm gonna be better i'm gonna be better like you really have mm. to sit in the negativity sometimes and like really like process w- it. yeah process it in order to to really start to overcome it and by no means have i overcome like i haven't overcome it yet but like has really helped me on that journey and then secondly also when we're like on the topic of gratitude i think like figuring out how to frame gratitude correctly that like i think as we talked about earlier like gratitude has been largely weaponized in my in my life mm. in terms of like you know like you, sh- you like yeah, you have should be to grateful be grateful to be that here, you like yeah. live in america or that you speak english 
that you're a U.S. citizen. And like, I don't think I, I, I still am learning how to practice that kind of gratitude. And to no means is that like weaponization of gratitude necessarily like inherent to the Asian American experience, mm -hmm. but it's like being grateful that like there are values that I have learned because I'm Asian American and not being angry about it. You know, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot Resentful of times, about very much so. I think there are a lot of times in which sometimes like my identity, I have clung onto out of a sense of anger that like mm. I have to support Asian Americans because otherwise like who else is gonna fight and while there are places for that and I still want to champion those places it's like sitting with the fact that I'm Asian American and like being happy like where that parts come up and where it doesn't like just being conscious of this is just a huge piece of who I am and yeah. like where it fits and like how I can celebrate that in the places that yeah. matter most, you know, yeah. that like being Asian American isn't all about like the drama or isn't about yeah. all the struggles. Like it's yeah. just like another it's, piece of me that I yeah. love, you know? Yeah. And it's a piece that has led you down a certain path and allows us to almost like share these experiences because they can be so similar and build a community around these yeah. shared experiences and being grateful for that experience. I feel like I try to hide my Asian American identity sometimes. Uh. I guess like to fit in and assimilate. And so I'm learning to step more into that and be more of a voice and kind of like the impetus for this podcast is to sort of help Asian Americans wanting to be, embark on a wellness journey or to discover more of who they are outside of the upbringing and the mindset that they had started, you know, life out with and either reparenting or re reworking those. I think it's like a good way to honor your identity while not like, while also balancing, like you said, and not overdoing it and feeling like the weight of the community is on your shoulders because we're all, you know, sort of equally a part of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for your last final thoughts, Amy, and for being here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and maybe resonated with some aspects of it and were able to use some of the takeaways and maybe given just some food for thought on, um, you know, this topic and maybe seeing where that parts of it show up in your lives. And if you feel called to make a change or maybe feel ready to take that mindset shift a little bit further. If you are interested in learning more, please feel free to follow me on Instagram at awake.in.wellness. And if you feel called to, would love for you to follow this podcast on Spotify or give it a rating on Apple. Um, it means a lot. But yeah, thank you everyone for listening through this whole thing. Have a great rest of your day.